Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. It's Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. Cameron Isaire and Brad Klein with you. We have a lot to cover. The Kamari Lands decommitment. We're talking a little bit about Syracuse football leading up to its opener against Ohio. We, of course, have five-star review talking Peter Carey, J.J. Starling, Chris Bunch, and then we'll cap it all off as we always do with fictional Fizz as well as Fizz feedback. Brad, let's get right into it. Kamari Lands first reaction that's pretty tough right i mean syracuse i remember a time when syracuse was number one in the nation right the most elite program cover of sports illustrated team you get the big recruits you're a national championship contender it's like 2013 and now they're losing recruits kamari lands being one of them and it has nothing to do with the program right everyone when you whenever you lose a recruit the instinct is oh man well, if only we were better. Maybe it was the coach. Maybe it was the losing. Whatever. No, no. It was the area. And that's what hurts the most. There is absolutely nothing that you can do about it. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, and you put that perfectly because I think a lot of people want to blame it on Jim Beheim, blame it on the program's uh, lack of success with recruiting. But guess what? Justin Taylor and Kadir Copeland are coming, and that's kind of all gone out the window. You're right. It's based on the area, but it's also based off these new uh, and this new NIL policy right. that has just screwed Syracuse over because Syracuse and Jim Beheim in that program is so stubborn in its ways they're just not willing to change how they recruit people, how they play the game of basketball. It's like with the 2-3 zone. If you want to argue about, you know, against the 2-3 zone, you should be doing the exact same thing with how Jim Beheim and Syracuse is recruiting or their lack of recruiting using the NIL. I think there was an interview out saying that when any player is recruited to Syracuse, the NIL is just, well, that's something. It's there. Well, I understand that, and, and I'm sure there are other schools doing a better job, and I wrote a piece about this, how to prevent another decommitment on orangefizz.net. Go check it out. But I'm sure a lot of teams out there are using it as a sales pitch. If you're UCLA, you are in the city of angels, right? There is no way you're not saying, hey, look around. Elbow room, there's plenty of it, right? And there is a market to be had. Syracuse, you can't say that, but... There has to be some sort of change in the approach. This should be a big wake-up call, not only for Jim Beheim, but for John Wildhack, too, to go and have a meeting with all of his coaches at every sport and say, hey, this is a conversation that will not be ignored anymore, right? This must be addressed. And John Wildhack has talked about it. Dino Babers has talked about it, that Syracuse is trying to do some tutoring with these players, teach them about contracts and not getting into deals that will bite them in the future. 18, 19-year-olds that are entering long-term contractual obligations. So Syracuse is trying to protect their players. Yeah, That's not going to work. Yeah, That's not going to work. It's not. It really isn't. And you need to market your players. Yeah, you, brandish your players. Put them out there and hope that they don't get hurt. I was listening to something uh, uh, yesterday talking about 
you talk about marketing your players. Well, I want to see the area kind of adapt to that, adapt to the marketability of these Syracuse basketball as well as football players because it's embarrassing. You look at schools like Kentucky, blue blood programs out there already throwing out, this is how many followers you're going to get. This is how much money you have the opportunity to make. You talk about this area, what can you do? It's a Syracuse town. Yeah. Take advantage of that. Well, that's the thing, right? Syracuse is the pro team in town. And, and it should hurt Syracuse fans to hear that, what, minutes after Kamari Lance decommitted, Kansas called, right? right? Who's Kansas? <laughs> Where is Lawrence, Kansas, right? That should not be the team you lose due to NIL. But on the other hand, Kansas, they're perpetual winners, right? That's a national team. Again, Lawrence, Kansas, who cares? Syracuse is a bigger place than Lawrence. Right. But Kansas is Kansas. Yeah. Syracuse used to be, ho-ho, Syracuse. It's not anymore. And the national team brand doesn't exist anymore. So you're going to rely on car dealerships compared to what Kansas might be able to offer you if you star there, which is, hey, a national sponsorship. Who knows what it's going to be? Right. Brad Klein Cameron is there with you here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260 talking about the decommitment of Kamari Lands, a four-star top 25 player according to ESPN in the class of 2022. And Brad, I think the overarching question is, did you see this coming? No. This is a guy that committed back in April, never came to Syracuse. Pretty much the reason he came to Syracuse, Carmelo's his favorite player and this has always been his dream school. I mean, a lot of people are saying, I saw this coming. I know you say you didn't see it coming. What are you saying to people that said, okay, this is typical. There were so many red flags. Well, it can't be typical because he's the first player to decommit for this reason. And I understand that Syracuse at this point has developed a reputation for being the school that recruits players but doesn't bring them in, right? And Dior Johnson in the same class decommits and goes to Oregon, which has to hurt too because, you know, when he said, I'm not coming to Syracuse, he thought, all right, he's probably going to go play in the G League. He's probably going to go play professionally in some way, and Syracuse can't offer that. Oh, wait, Oregon? Uh, okay, Oregon, <laughs> fine. So Kamari Lance decommits. It's not typical. Those fans just want to pile on. But, again, this could be a wake-up call for Syracuse. Athletics and the basketball program specifically. The thing that really puzzled me about it was that NIL was a thing for quite a while. It was going to be. It was going to be, and then it was a thing for, uh, what, it feels like a month, maybe? Yeah. Like He had plenty of time to chew on it, and then he decided that Syracuse wasn't going to fit his needs from a revenue standpoint and from a marketability standpoint. I'm kind of confused as to why it took him that long to figure it out. I mean, Kadir Copeland comes to Syracuse, what, in part because of Kamari Lands, thinking that he's going to play with this stat class, this triumvirate of four-stars, and then one of them leaves. Well, Copeland probably came in part because of Lance. Now he's gone. Right. And, and NIL was a thing that entire time. Yeah. So, see, that didn't really make much sense to me, and I had to research it a little more because what uh, what Kamari Land said is, I want to be recruited with NIL, which is a little confusing because he committed out of the blue. It seemed like no one had him on their Syracuse radar. On top of that, you're right, he was a part of this almost NIL uh, policy or, or being like a front runner to it because when he committed, a month later, NIL was put into effect. Mm-hmm. So now he has, what, a month or two with this policy? You can still 
take advantage of it. It's not like because of the fact that you didn't recruit with it in effect, you're technically still a college athlete in that scenario. I agree, and it makes complete sense. Let me ask you this. I have an answer to my own question. Go ahead. If Kamari Lands decommitted for, from Syracuse for NIL, which has been documented, right? So he did. Was it the right decision? No, it was not. I, I agree. I, 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 on face value, it's like, okay, I could see how Syracuse probably isn't the best place. But the thing is, with NIL, it's so new, right? And a lot of companies, college athletes aren't nearly as marketable as professional athletes. Why would you go pay a college kid? Maybe you could pay him a little less, but... He's not as recognizable. His face, his name doesn't have that much influence compared to a pro athlete, right? So why wouldn't you want to go to a place that is not only the pro team in town, but a place that you would likely be the best player? Yeah. Kamari Lance was set to be the best player in mm -hmm. his class, and as soon as Benny Williams left, he would have been the best player, period. And then at that point, you're the best player on the only team in a city. Whether it's a big city or not, it's a city. And that's going to provide at least some market opportunities for you. At least some. And now he's going to go where? Is he going to go to Kansas? Is he going to be the best player on Kansas? No chance. No chance. And I don't know how, what, my, what kind of money he's going to make in Lawrence. Yeah, I just want people to watch out for Arizona State. This is a guy that just transferred to Hillcrest Prep in Arizona. Okay, so he goes to Arizona State. Right. That's a Phoenix market. Mm -hmm. You have, what, five professional sports teams if you count... If you count around, I don't think we want to do counting right now, but it's a good amount of professional sports teams. Then you have Arizona in the area, but I'm looking at the Sun Devils and saying, you know, is it the fact that this guy took an unofficial visit? He actually saw the school. He never saw Sarah. So I'm could I, I, there's a how lot of decommit from a school that before he you see it. I mean, how did he I commit, guess, to, how do you a commit, commit to a school before you see it? I, I'll tell you this. My, uh, my freshman year college roommate, didn't tour Syracuse, dropped out two weeks in because he didn't like Syracuse and should have, could have, would have, right? But uh, Kamari Lance had plenty of time to see it. He had plenty of time to chew on it, and he decided ain't for him. Wait, so, so I ask you this. Because Kamari Lance said he's a 1,000% committed to this class. And he wasn't. Uh, and, he, and he wasn't or committed to Syracuse. That's how the college roommate thought. <laughs> Are you a 1,000% you know, committed to the success of the 2022 class now that we're going to have to gone. scale it up. If I'm actually sure a thousand percent committed means no, I'm going to have to do like 10,000 percent. Okay. Okay. So am I sure that the 2022 class is going to be strong without yeah. Kamari Lance? No. Why would I be right? Cause now you have a three and a half star in Kadir Copeland, right? Depending on where you look, you have Justin Taylor and they're fine, but Syracuse still has the same problem. That they did with Kamari Lance. Who's the big man? Right? right? I mean, Kamari Lance, technically a small forward, but he's not going to be posting up, right? And you basically have three and now only two guards in that class, right? Mm -hmm. And oh, if you get Peter Carey from what? <laughs> Lafayette. You beat out Lafayette for Peter Carey, then congratulations, right? But if you're if you're really willing to run it back with a replica of John Bolajak in that 2022 class then it ain't the top five class in the nation like it is right now, or it was before Kamari lands. And it's certainly not a top two class in the ACC. It's just not. So I'm looking at well-roundedness, and now, believe it or not, you have to look at depth.
Right, uh, Brad, this isn't a top 10 class right now. When Lands left, and of course other schools are going are gonna to continue to push up to Syracuse, this isn't a top 10 class. And we're going to talk more about Peter Carey, rest of the possible recruits that might join Taylor and Copeland later on. But let's take a quick break here on Orange Fizz Radio. And when we come back, we're going to chalk it up with Syracuse football because uh, the countdown, it's dwindling down. We're getting closer and closer to Syracuse and Ohio here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. We'll be right back. Back here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260, Cameron is there with Brad Klein just wrapped up talking about basketball, and we'd be remiss not to jump to football now because it's about a week away, and that's crazy to say because it, it seemed like we just wrapped up lacrosse season, a disappointing uh, football season last year, and a basketball season that did a little better than we thought last year. So it's now on to the football season where we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know with any sport for Syracuse at this point, but with football, we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. We don't know you know, if success is going to come at the beginning, toward the end, if it's just going to be a replicate of last year. So, Brad, let's, let's play a couple games with an if-then statement. For Syracuse to be successful, blank needs to happen. If Syracuse is going to be successful, they're going to have to establish the run, right? And they were garbage on the ground Bad. last year they were garbage and and it sounds weird to say that right because so much of the praise from last season comes through sean tucker and, and it should but you average you're the only team in the acc last year to average fewer than 100 yards on the ground per game 92 that's dead last in the acc just for reference virginia tech first over 240 right, right. so that's who you're trying to compete with and when you have two or depending on your definition, zero quarterbacks, someone has to move the football, right? And it's not going to be easy because the offensive line is garbage, but you have three running backs. And Chris Elmore said it best. All three of those guys are capable of 1,000 yards. Who's it going to be? Capable. That's a word. That's a nice word to use. I mean, Sean Tucker would be the, would be the one guy that I think has the highest possibility. Another stat to throw out there. This was the only team in the ACC last year that had under 10 touchdowns on the ground. They had five. It wasn't even close. I think the next best team had 11. I mean, Syracuse struggled immensely on the ground. I think for Syracuse to be successful, the offensive line has to be the best position group. And it might seem a bit blasphemous only because you look at all the other position groups, defense has to be uh, better than they were last year, especially that defensive line. The secondary needs to catch up to all those uh, guys that left for the NFL. But this Syracuse offensive line was awful. And that's an understatement. 38 sacks for 222 lost yards. Uh, that's ridiculous. And the fact that you say establish the run, the way that Syracuse establishes the run is opening up holes. And if it's Aaron Service, if it's Matthew Bergeron, if it's Chris Bleich, it doesn't matter who's on that offensive line. If you can allow the offense to establish the run and, you know, let Tommy DeVito or Garrett Schrader or whoever Dino Babers chooses to throw out there have a little time in the pocket, those guys are going to look so much better. Because the biggest issue with the Syracuse team in the past couple of years has been that offensive line. Okay, so Syracuse had one win last year, and largely because of that offensive line. Here's another, another if-then if statement for you. If Syracuse blanks, 
then they're going to regress from their one win last year. That's a tough one. I don't know how, how much it you can, can happen. regress. It can happen. Uh, that, that's a tough one. I think that if Syracuse uh, – jeez. I don't, I don't even know how you can regress. Well, they had one win. I know. So What's it's fewer so than one? Nothing. I, I know. It's just tough to think of a winless team. I think that if Syracuse doesn't let its players really adapt to their given positions, then they'll regress. And what I mean by that is – Tommy DeVito, if he's the quarterback, you can't just trust his mobility because that's not how Tommy DeVito works. The offensive line. I'm sorry, you switched Aaron Service and Matthew Bergeron three games into the season. It actually helps statistically, but those guys could never find a groove because they're so used to playing their given positions. Was there a tight end on the team last year? I mean, these guys need to establish themselves within their respective positions and then you go to the defensive side there was a rover was there even a rover Garrett Williams was the best player on the team and he was a freshman is he going to be that sole cornerback or will he kind of wander into that rover role I have no clue Syracuse needs to let its players adapt into their given positions if they're able to do that six games into the season we're like okay we know who's playing cornerback we know who's that safety we understand who is going to be that main blitzer off the edge. But right now, it, the question marks are, are in the air. Just I, I, They're all in the air. So that's my thing. It makes sense. I will say this. If they have one win this year, that will be regression because their schedule is a lot easier. You're playing the likes of Albany, right? Albany should be a penciled-in win. And then Ohio, a lot of people are looking at it as a win, but then again, they're dogs. So we'll see. I will say this, though. If Michael Jones does not step up, then Syracuse will regress. Michael Jones, to me, is probably the most important player in the 3-3-5. And the reason being, because look at what he did last year in the turnover margin. He was tied for first in the ACC last year with four interceptions. Mr. Turnover, right? Mm -hmm. And I know what you're thinking. Okay, well, that might not be sustainable. Turnovers come and go. But Tony White's 3-3-5 in practice – they're one of very few teams around the nation that practice popping the ball loose and practice forcing turnovers. That's their identity. That's what they do. And if they can't do that, they're not going to stop the ball. They're in trouble, right? They were, and the funny thing is, Tony White and Sean Tucker were probably the two easiest names to say out of Syracuse fans' mouth after a one-win season. Sean Tucker was the cornerstone of the last the last run offense in the ACC last year, and Tony White's defense finished bottom third of the ACC last year. Mm -hmm. So Tony White needs to step up, and if Mike Kelly Jones can't do it, no one will. So you talk about the defense, and, and I'm curious who you have as one of the most important players on the offensive side. Here, so here's an if-then statement. If blank plays his best then on the offensive side, then Syracuse will have a good season. All right, this is going to sound oh, really geez. strange. Oh, gosh. Really strange. Can I give two answers? You can give me two answers, and I'll, I'll say which one has the best case. Okay. My instinct was Taj Harris okay. because we're, we, see, we know he's capable of 1,000 yards. But then I said, you know what? Even if he's really good, who's going to throw him the football? Now, here's my crazy take. If Tommy DeVito plays his best, Syracuse is going to be a good football team. And the reason I'm saying that is because – 
Tommy DeVito's a good quarterback. I think he's a scarred quarterback, mm-hmm. and I think he's an emotionally and professionally stunted quarterback because no one has been sacked more over the past two years than Syracuse QBs. Tommy DeVito showed us what he's capable of. His arm is really strong. He knows the offense. On paper, there's no reason that he should not be able to lead this team. Obviously, there are issues, and there are issues in front of him. There are issues upstairs mentally because no one can be sacked that many times and have it not bother them. I don't care what he says in the press conference, right? So if Tommy DeVito plays like he did in 2018, but older, more mature, stronger arm, then Syracuse's offense is not only going to be a little bit better, it's going to be good, Cameron. Okay, so, it's going to be good. So are you one of the people that would say the win against Georgia Tech and what Tommy DeVito no. showed in that game, what? No, I don't think he – people are like, oh, uh, the Georgia Tech game. He, that was the only game where the offensive line stepped up for him. He had one sack. Every, he played four games, five-sack game and two sevens, and then the one against Georgia Tech. People forget Georgia Tech – is an awful football team. Very bad. And Syracuse was home. Like, you should win that game, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily say, oh, well, Georgia Tech was proof. No. I think it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be miserable to hear this for Syracuse fans. Believe without, without evidence. Believe in the things unseen. Jeez. Right? I just know that Tommy DeVito is capable of more. Doesn't mean I think he's going to play that way. But if he does... Then what's not to like about this offense? The offensive line is a little bit shaky, but who isn't? You know, Matthew Bergeron's going to be better. Aaron Service is not going to be worse. And then you have basically the same guys, but they're not hurt. So I think the offensive line is going to be naturally better with a new offensive line coordinator by just staying healthy. Mm-hmm. The running backs are deep. Chris Elmore is back at his natural position, so he's an extra blocker for the run game, which you'll probably need with the offensive line being so bad. So if Tommy DeVito plays his position, what's wrong? I want to know who told you that was a crazy take. Myself, because Tommy DeVito, it's an unrealistic take. True, but I don't think it is a crazy take. I think whoever you put at quarterback, that needs to be your most important player if you are Sarah. I'll tell you why it's a crazy take. Because I think I'm one of very few people at this point that think that Tommy DeVito's best is good enough. That's why. You do. I, I know it's good enough because I've seen it. Good but enough people, for what? Are you, for, to lead a good ACC offense. Are you saying to reach a bowl game? You yeah, think they, it, could, if, they could? If Tommy DeVito plays the way he was supposed to at this point in his career when he committed to Syracuse as a four-star out of Don Bosco, then absolutely. Right, but, but we're way past that at this point. Oh, yeah, point. we're way right. past that. Yeah. I, I know he's capable of it physically. Yeah, I, I mean, if a Syracuse quarterbacks play well – I don't think that this is an awful team. I don't think it's a good team, but I don't think it's an awful team like people are. They'll win a few ACC games, and you don't have to worry about stealing a game, right? Right. And that's 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 what you're looking at, right? If you're a Syracuse fan, you look at the schedule. Okay, we'll beat Albany. Hopefully, we beat Ohio. And (laughs) which ACC team are we going to (laughs) beat? One or two? Hopefully, we'll see. Right? That's that's the mindset. Yeah, I think that I I agree with your quarterback take. I don't really agree with the Tommy DeVito side of things Mm -hmm. because I'm a Garrett Schrader supporter. Me too. Yeah, so I think if if Garrett Schrader gets into the game and he plays at his highest potential, then I have hope in this Syracuse team. Because what I've seen from Tommy DeVito is enough to say, I don't want to see any more from Tommy DeVito. And I'm good with that. I'm fine with just 
saying, hey, Tommy DeVito, you had your moments, and those moments are just way too much at this point. Put Garrett Schrader in. Let me give you another if then. Please. If blank, then Dino Babers will be fired. Jeez. I ask this because I think that Dino's coaching for his job this year. I think so, too. I think that if Dino uh, gets rid of his stubborn ways and puts Garrett Schrader in, then he won't be fired. No matter if he, what. If, if, he, yes. if he goes one win and it's against Albany and it's Garrett Schrader for, what, 80% of the season? I, I want to talk about coaching decisions. I don't want to really talk about the record side of things. Well, record's kind of important. It's, it's very important. But, yeah, Dino Babers has one win. He's not getting his job back. Okay. I don't think that Syracuse will have one win if Garrett Schrader plays. So I think okay. Dino Babers just has to get away from his stubborn ways. And that's, oh, Tommy DeVito, he's going to be this quarterback we've recruited. He's this, you know, he's my poster child after coming to Syracuse. So I think that if Dino Babers finally realizes that Tommy DeVito isn't that guy, he won't lose his job because I think Syracuse will have an okay season. I think if Dino Babers loses the locker room, then he'll be fired. You think right? he will? Not necessarily, but if as soon as that happens, he's gone. As soon as it happens. And the reason is this. Results matter, especially in Syracuse, ACC, and they haven't been there, right, since 2018 when he was coaching a team that didn't belong to him. Those recruits just didn't belong to him, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're John Wildhack, on paper, X's and O's, there's no reason to keep Dino Babers for another year. And that's not a secret. Well, I mean, Dino Babers was brought in. For the locker room. And he was kept he was, for that 2018 speech. Yeah, sure. He's, the locker room, recruiting guys, being able to relate to the players, the cool coach, right? Mm -hmm. Dino Baber's the cool coach. There's nothing cool about one win, right? And if you can convince your players that it's cool, then cool, right? But as soon as you have trouble convincing the guys and selling them on strapping up for you, then it's over. It's over. And I'll tell you what, that's a ticking time bomb for Dino Babers if he can't win football games. Yeah, as we tick down this Syracuse football segment on the other side, we talk about some five-star review. We're going back to the basketball realm. Of course, Cameron, he's there. Brad Klein with you here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. We'll be right back talking the biggest recruits for Syracuse basketball. I'm going to need a five-star review. Five-star ride. I'd like to share with you one of our five-star reviews. Hey, five stars. Welcome back. It's five-star review here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Cameron is there with Brad Klein. And ever since this Kamari lands decommitment, Brad, it seems like you know, everyone's looking back into this recruiting class and saying, well, Syracuse needs at least one or two more. Just lost a four, potentially five-star in lands. Who else is on the docket? Because it's been a very unconventional summer of recruits where guys are just committing left and right after a regular season that was lackluster and a tournament run that it seemed like is going to be customary for the Orange. Now we look into that recruiting scene. Guys like Chris Bunch, J.J. Starling, Peter Carey, it looks like Chance Westry has pretty much fallen off Syracuse's radar completely. Let's start with Chris Bunch. What do you like about him? What do you see with him that could add to this Orange team? I think Chris Bunch would be 
a nice add at this point. You know, 247 has him with a really strong composite four-star recruit. At, at this point, just on paper, he seems like a poor man's Kamari Lance, right? A little bit shorter, a little bit thinner, and the offer is not as good, right? Yep. And it just seems like you, you, this is your consolation prize for losing Kamari Lance. And maybe that's okay. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's fine because Kadir Copeland, Justin Taylor, they're still pretty good players, right? But I'm more concerned about the other guys in that class, the Peter Carries in the world, that Syracuse thinks will suffice. Yeah, I mean, Chris Bunch, 6'7", small forward, 185. It, yeah, it, it's a fill-in for Kamari Lands, and uh, I think if you're Syracuse, it, this is nothing against how Syracuse is recruiting, but you got Justin Taylor, who's a small forward. Combo guarding Kadir Copeland, who's tall for his size, and Kamari Lands, who is a small forward. So now you have two small forwards. I don't know if Lands saw Taylor as a threat at any point, and now you're going to I'm possibly... sure Taylor's going to play at the top of the zone anyway. Right. No, I agree. But now you're going to consider Chris Bunch another small forward. At this point, Syracuse is going to play a point guard, three small forwards, and whoever that they can find in the stands to play center. I will say this, though. And you want talent at every position, but... It is kind of modern basketball-y for Syracuse to do that, right? Is Syracuse uh, modern basketball? Not necessarily, but hold on here. I mean, length has always been important to Syracuse, even before length was important to anyone else, right? For Kadir Copeland to be really tall at the point guard position, that's a motif. Frank Howard wasn't a point guard, but he became a point guard because he was six foot five. Michael Carter-Williams, six six at the top of the zone. You need length at the top for your point guard. So they got that in Copeland, right? And then to have three small forwards, that's very NBA of Syracuse, right? Which is something that I don't necessarily dislike. If you're, if you're worried about fit, I think Syracuse fans are more concerned about players being able to put the ball in the basket, right? And if we already established that the offense is going to be pretty much, hey, give the ball to different players, hope they can create, then it doesn't matter if they're a small forward, power forward, or a zebra with purple stripes, right? It doesn't matter. They just have to score. Right, but are, are you not weary of the fact that Chris Bunch could be forced to play at the bottom of the zone at 185 pounds? No, I'm not necessarily concerned about that. I'm not. Because he can play the three. Alan Griffin played the wing of the zone. What are we talking about there? And Marek Dolejai played it. No, that's not a concern. Weight isn't a concern. If you're six foot seven, you can play the wing of the zone. That's, I'm, I'm not concerned about that at all. I mean, I just look at Chris Bunch as just another guy. And right now, I think it's great for Syracuse to get just another guy. But at this point, I think Syracuse is more honed in on a few other players. And J.J. Starling and Peter Carey are the two that probably stand out the most. You were already talking about Peter Carey. I mean, does this make any difference if Syracuse lands Carey? Is this guy's not recruit or not really highly recruited by many schools. He's not ranked on 247 sports. It seems like he'll just ride the bench just, bench just like Frank Anselm is because Anselm came in as a guy that has stars to his name. I actually think Frank Anselm's going to play this year. I think he should. Yeah. Uh, with Peter Carey, I, it's just really disappointing. You look at the 247 report on Carey, right? I, I'm just going to read it down, okay? Albany, Brown, Bryant, Marquette. Iona, UMass, St. Bonaventure, yeah, Rutgers, and Syracuse. For Syracuse to even be involved in this player is 
it's almost an insult, right? It says a lot. It says a lot about where you are as a program. And I will say, I say this every time we talk about recruiting bigs, and I hate saying it so much because he's such a good coach, and he should be employed by the university and by the team. But if Alan Griffin, the <laughs> former guard, is recruiting bigs, this is what you're going to get. Yeah. If you are a five- or four-star center and you're trying to go to the NBA and a coach comes to your high school or AAU basketball game and says, hey, I'm going to get you there, it's going to be a tough sell if you're straining your neck, neck looking down at this dangerous, right? It's going to be a really tough sell. What do you know about what I need to get to the NBA at my position? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I've been saying this for a long time. Derek Coleman should come and coach the bigs, right? Because he is proof that bigs can not only succeed in the 2-3 zone, but can get to the NBA and succeed. And that's the sales pitch for these guys. Maybe not Peter Carey, because the offers don't say so. But that's what you get when you can't recruit bigs. Right. I mean, I have an article up on orangefizz.net. Go check it out. It's uh, Syracuse is banking on Peter Carey being a diamond in the rough. That diamond has to be extra shiny. Odds. What are the odds? Uh, the odds, I'm going to give it – I mean, first off, he has to come. I don't know if he'll even come to no, Syracuse. Let's say, he comes. let's say whether he so, comes or not. Odds that he plays like a four-star recruit. Oof. I mean, I would give you 500 to 1. Okay. Yeah. Take that. You would? I was told to take anything over 300 to 1. Okay. As a flyer. Yeah. How much are you putting on it? Not much. No. <laughs> that, that's the one thing. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not too uh, just, you know, too excited about what Peter Carey can bring to this team because you're right, the center production hasn't really been there. Now, let's make this final one really quick. J.J. Starling, do you want him to come? Local kid, point guard. I've been saying this for a while, and this is what I was saying when Kamari Lanz was committed. Now it's a little bit more important that Syracuse bring him in. I think it's really important that Syracuse bring him in with or without Kamari Lanz just because of the area, right? It's so important to hold on to your own home turf. And Starling, a Baldwinsville kid, it just seems like a spoon-fed four-star. And if Syracuse lets him go to another school like Duke's looking at him, right? If, yeah. if Duke picks up Flip and J.J. Starling, yeah. that's going to really sting. It's going to really sting. And you just establish precedent. Central New York belongs to you. Canada belongs to you, if nothing else. And, and you need to kind of put a stronghold in the Northeast because that's where Syracuse recruits pretty much solely at, at this point. Okay, on the well, other... Well, they, they try to recruit a lot of Cali kids. <laughs> they try. Hey, trying is not actually getting the job done. We're going to uh, hit a break here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Cameron Ezair, Brad Klein with you. On the other side, we have fictional Fizz. We have Fizz feedback like we always do. We'll see you in a sec. Wrapping things up here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Cameron Ezair, Brad Klein as we... Finish things out with Fictional Fizz and Fizz feedback like we always do. We're going to start with Fictional Fizz. Brad, I'm going to give you a, a few fake betting lines, and you're going to either you know take one or the other with no money on the line. So don't oh. worry. Yeah, your wallet's not you Then know, it's thinning. the over. Life's too <laughs> short to bet the under. <laughs> Let's start with Syracuse football. Let's start with Tommy DeVito. Back in 2019, DeVito recorded over 2,000 yards in the air. But since then, I mean, it's been a clear regression. So over-under for Tommy DeVito. Under. 
<laughs> I don't even need the number, and I'll tell you why. What do you think I was going to say? 1,500? I was, I was going to say 1,000. Okay. Mm. I'm not trying to make this easy. I'm Vegas I'm still in this leaning situation. towards under, and I appreciate you scaling down to 1,000. The reason I took under is because he's splitting time with Gary Trader. I'm assuming that's why the number was so low. Mm-hmm. Or is it because you're not a believer in Tommy DeVito? Both. Okay. Uh, a thousand yards a thousand is not yards. many yards. Yeah. Well, and do, do you think he'll stay healthy? That's a, a huge. Yeah, caveat. yeah. So he has to stay healthy and he has to play. I'm gonna lean towards under because there are too many factors against him, and he has to play well if he plays too. So there's that. Right. I, I'm going under. You know me. You know my Tommy DeVito take. I, I you don't, don't like Tommy DeVito. I don't think that Tommy DeVito will make it past three games. I think Garrett Schrader will be in. And the only thing stopping that is not Tommy DeVito's excellent performance during the first couple games. It's the fact that Dino Babers will continue to say, DeVito is my starter until he's not my starter. And, DeV- or, and Babers makes those, makes those decisions. Well, real quick, because I know we have a lot to get to here. So you, when do you actually think that Tommy DeVito will be benched? Because I, Ohio, they're dogs, but that's a game that sh- they should compete in at the very least. So it's going to be hard to bench him after that. You have the Rutgers game, so that could be shaky. I don't believe in him after the Rutgers game. Okay, but if he at least plays a little bit against Albany, he's probably going to play pretty well, and people will be hypnotized by his 250 yards in the air and say, ah, oh, Tommy yeah. DeVito is good. Let's play him against Liberty. So are you, are you going over now? No, I'm just <laughs> warning you that your three-week take might be off. I, I think that he's going to struggle against Rutgers in that home opener and not be at his best against Ohio. So when I say three weeks, I think that there's a possibility that Schrader and him split time during that Albany game, and then Schrader comes out as the starter Maybe. going to Liberty. Maybe. Okay, let's head to our next. Again, this is a fake betting line, and there's no money on the line. We talk about Syracuse basketball, and I know this is it's looking ahead, but it's something that – is really important that we haven't talked about, and it's Benny Williams. We didn't talk about him as an, you know, an important factor this upcoming season because we've been so hell-bent on that 2022 class. So Benny Williams, points per game, over under 16. Under, and that's not an indictment on Benny Williams at all. But I think of, first of all, it's hard to score 16 points per game in college, right? right? And that, that is not easy. So I just think about a a guy like Patrick Williams, and it's a weird name to throw out right now, but former Florida State star. First-round pick. First-round pick. Went fourth overall, right, to the Bulls, if I'm not mistaken. And he averaged fewer than 10 points per game. So I know scoring is not everything. I'm just saying you can be a really good player and score 15 points per game. So I'm definitely going under. I'm going under because I think Benny Williams will be back. I I haven't seen him enough to be confident in that statement, but I think that Benny Williams, in his own right, is a pure scorer, and he needs over 16 a game to be a first-round pick because I don't think the other stats are going to be there as much. So to our final betting line before we get to Fizz feedback, we're going back to Syracuse football, and you talk about the Syracuse-Ohio game. Let's say that Syracuse pulls out. Syracuse pulls out this win, right? Over under the margin of that win, 10. Do you think that Syracuse will win, or we'll do 10 and a half because I know Vegas loves their half points. Do you think Syracuse will win by over double digits? No. 
How am I going to say over if I don't think they're going to win the game? Oh, no. there you go. No, I think they're going to lose, right? And they're on the road, and there are still so many unanswered questions, and there should be unanswered questions because it's the opener. But Syracuse, I think, more so than a lot of other teams, has a lot of unanswered questions. The quarterback position, the offensive line, we've documented it, and the defense has to be better too. We think it will be, but it has to be better, right? So – I don't think Ohio is going down against Syracuse, so I'm going to go under. If they win, it, it could be a seven-point game. I think I'm going to go over. I know I'm going to go over. I think that the defense has a great showing. And you said, oh, I don't know. So many question marks. I don't know if the defense is going to play well. I'm here to tell you. How are they going to move the football, Cameron? How are they going to do it? Uh, at this point, the Syracuse if the Syracuse defense is as dominant as they were at times last season, I mean at the very minimal times, I think that that defense will cause a few turnovers, set Syracuse up in good yardage situations. It might be 21 to 3. It might be 14 to 0. I don't know. I don't think the Syracuse offense is putting up 50, but I also think that the defense is going to play great and set the offense up. Okay, uh, believe without evidence, because there wasn't <laughs> much evidence of that. I guess the turnovers for Syracuse so defense, it was there, but not much else. Okay, so that was Fictional Fizz. I guess we'll just start with this one for the Fizz feedback segment. Syracuse beating Ohio, you say yes. Let's see what Fizz Nation says. They say yes, but it will be a close game. Right. At 51.5% say it's going to be a close game. 31% of Fizz Nation saying it was going to be a blowout for Syracuse. And then the remaining 17% or so saying that Ohio is going to beat them. There you are. And that's 17%. There you are. Plenty of elbow room for that 17%. <laughs> right. There you go. Yeah. I don't know. I have a tough time believing Fizz Nation here. They tend to be a little biased. That's a secret that no one knows. I'm fine with saying it's a blowout if you think that a two-touchdown margin is a blowout. Okay. Yeah, we can agree. We can agree there. All right, well, it's a a blowout when Vegas says the game's a toss-up minus one, right? (laughs) That's true. All right, what do you make of Kamari Lanz's decommitment, Fizz Nation? It's typical Syracuse. I saw it coming. It's okay. Opens up a spot or SU is screwed. And Cameron, SU not screwed, according to Fizz Nation. In fact, half of Fizz Nation saying... It's just typical Syracuse. That's the growing pains, and that's that's what you sign up for as a Syracuse fan right now. I mean, ring the bells, start the parade. I'm just glad that Syracuse is not screwed. That's something that I thought that Fizz Nation would jump all over when we were putting up those options. But, yeah, typical Syracuse. I don't know if I want to say typical Syracuse. I think I would go with it's okay it opens up a spot because it Kamari Lenz, out of the blue commitment. You didn't really know what you were getting because he didn't even know what the campus looked like. So I would say it opens up a spot because Syracuse barely knew anything about Kamari Lands or the fans didn't, and vice versa. Right. I, I want to touch up on that. Cuse Orange Man 44 shout out and Chauncey McCollin shout out too. They're commenting down below this poll saying, hey, kind of neutral on it. None of the above because Kamari Lands never visited, and that bothered them. And, and that was something that a lot of people ignored, probably because they were blinded by, oh my God, a four-star came, Kamari lands, cool. But they, these guys never expected them to come because he never toured. And they were right. Mm-hmm. So, okay, Kamari lands, typical Syracuse. Syracuse set to destroy Ohio, according to Fizz Nation. And now we go to the recruiting trail again with the recruitment of Chance Westry dying down. Who would you rather have, Chris Bunch, J.J. Starling, or Peter Carey, overwhelmingly 
J.J. Starling. It sounds like all of Baldwinsville voting for Starling <laughs> here at 76%. Yeah, J.J. Starling is the right choice because I don't think Chris Bunch is coming to Syracuse and Peter Carey will, in my opinion, make zero difference. So J.J. Starling could be strong. Peter Carey, kind of neutral, kind of just there, and Chris Bunch, in a way, the same. Yeah, and that'll wrap up Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Cameron is there. Brad Klein, make sure you check out all of our articles. Everything that we put up, we're counting down the the most important football players. So go check it out, our website, orangefizz.net. We're here every Saturday, 9 to 10. Syracuse, Ohio's next week, so get excited. But for now, Cameron is there. Brad Klein, signing off.